We want to welcome you here this morning and just wherever you are watching this and viewing this, that you would be worshiping the Lord. Thank you that we can be together in the spirit because the Lord is with all of us. I pray you're doing well. I pray that you would worship God with us this morning, that you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You would believe the word of God. Amen. His word for us this morning. Uh, if you're watching and you're part of this church, praise God. We thank you for that church. And if you're not part of Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge, we want to welcome you. I'm glad that you have uh, found out where we were on the YouTube channel. Uh, you, can, you can go to uh, watch all of our recent services on the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and then go to the Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge. And we have our own channel that will pull, pull up all the recent uh, sermons and messages from both Wednesday nights at 7 and then Sunday mornings at 10.30. And also our website is tccbr.org. The Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge is what it stands for, .org. And uh, Happy Easter to everyone. We're going to worship God this morning. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. We're going to start reading in verse 32. And please just follow with me. Luke 23, 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Skip down to verse 39 if you would. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say to thee, Today thou shalt be with me. Amen. In paradise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This, this account of the crucifixion is in all four of the Gospels. This account, very detailed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The two thieves, one on the right hand and left, they were crucified alongside of our Lord. There, the account of them, these two thieves is mentioned in all four Gospels. But the account of this one thief that repented and turned to Christ in the last moment of his life and believed in life his last moment of his life and believed in the Lord and upon the Lord. This account is found only in the Gospel of Luke, which we just read. And from this account, y'all, we could we could preach so many glorious, wonderful things about the Lord, and we should. God's given me one particular thought on this passage this morning. But just think about just in what we read in these few verses. And Luke chapter 23 about these two thieves and the one in particular that believed in Christ. We could preach the everlasting mercy of the Lord from this passage and we should. We could preach Christ's desire and love for mankind and desire for men to be with him and to be saved and come to know him. We could preach his power to save all who turn to him by faith no matter what kind of life. They have lived in the past. Amen. I can testify of that in my own life, in my own salvation experience. We could preach his power to forgive men's sins. 
even at the 11th hour, so to speak, at, even at the last moment of their lives when they don't have time like this thief on the cross to, to do any real works meet for repentance. He doesn't have time to give money to the Lord. He doesn't have time to, to grow and mature and bear fruit in his life. And yet he's bearing a lot of fruit in a sense. There's fruit of repentance in his life that John said, John the Baptist said that men were to bring forth and turning to Christ. But I think it's an interesting word, these two thieves that were mentioned in all four Gospels and in detail in this Gospel of Luke were called, the Bible says they were malefactors. And that word means they, they were evildoers. They were criminals. They were villains. Now we know all mankind, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are under condemnation and need to be born again and forgiven and washed in the blood of Jesus uh, to be forgiven and reconciled to God. But these were the type of men that deserved to be put on the cross. That even lost men would look at and say, yes, they belong there. That's where they should be. They're criminals. They're evildoers. They're villains. They should be hanging up there on the cross. And we could preach all these things about the mercy of God. And we should and we do throughout the year. But on this day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that what God has given me specifically is to look at... The, the power of Christ's resurrection and, and so being raised from the dead, His power to give life to men. Not just that He raised down on the cross, but that He rose again. And because He rose again, He is able to bring life to men, to all men. It, it doesn't matter if they're a Muslim. It doesn't matter if they're a Satanist. It doesn't matter if they're in, uh, on death row in a prison. It doesn't matter if they would be what we would call a good old boy who's, who's a nice fellow. Whoever turns to the Lord, the Lord is not, not only does He forgive us of our sins, but He is able to give us life. He's able to give us resurrection life to all those that believe on Him. He is able to impute life to us as a result of His own resurrection on the cross for our sins. I want you to look back at verses 42 and 43. Remember, there's two thieves, one on the left and one on the right. And in the other Gospels, it says that both, at least at some point in that event on the cross, when all three of them were on the cross, the chief priests and the scribes and the people were ridiculing Jesus. They were mocking Him. They were saying, if He's the Son of God, let Him come down from the cross and we'll believe. Let Him uh, save Himself. He says He saved others. Himself He cannot save. And they're ridiculing Him. And that both the thieves, the, the Scriptures say in the other Gospels, were saying the similar things. They were both railing on Him. But at some point in the time that they were hanging up on the cross, this one thief came to understand there's something different about this man. I belong up here on the cross. I ought to be crucified. I ought to be punished for my, my crimes against people. I should be hanging on this cross. But this man has done nothing wrong. And it's like the light bulb went on. The light went on and no man can come to the Father except he be, the Father would draw him. And obviously the Father was drawn even in the last few moments of this thief's life on the earth. He received eternal life. Amen. He gave his life to Jesus. He understood as much as he could understand and enough to understand to be with the Lord forever and ever. Amen. But the Bible says, look at verse 42. He said unto Jesus, this one penitent, a repentant thief, says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know what that speaks of? This man had enough understanding, even in, in just 
the little few moments up there on the cross with the Lord. And in the little time he came to understand who this was that was hanging beside him and his own sinful state and his need for a Savior. All this came to him evidently very quickly. But when he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, you know what he's speaking of? He's speaking of resurrection. He's speaking of resurrection. You're coming into a kingdom. You're coming into a kingdom. He's speaking, even this thief understood, there's for Christ and for men, there's life after death. There's life after the cross on which Jesus died. Lord, you're coming into a kingdom and I want to be part of that kingdom. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1, 21 and 22, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. That's all of us that are now reconciled to God. At some point in the past, we were enemies in our minds by our wicked works and alienated, estranged from God. It says, yet now hath he, Christ, reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. The Bible tells us that only a, only a living Savior could do that. You understand that the, the thief was speaking when he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's speaking of resurrection. And Jesus replied to this one repentant thief was in verse 43. Truly, I say unto to thee today, thou shalt be with me. Where does he say Thou shalt be with me uh, in a grave today? You're going to be with me on the cross where they're already together. What does he mean? You will be with me. He didn't see, they were already on the cross. They couldn't be any more together than they were in a physical sense. They were both in the same predicament, I guess you would say. Jesus doesn't say, today, thief, you'll be with me in a grave. Today, you'll be with me in a tomb. He, Jesus didn't say, today, you'll be with me in some type of a soul sleep. He doesn't say, today, you'll be with me you know, in hell where the devil's going to torment us both and kick us around and abuse us further. He doesn't say, today, you will be annihilated with me. No, the Lord Jesus says, today, you will be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me in paradise. This speaks of a resurrection. It speaks of life beyond the grave. It speaks of life beyond the cross. And so I'm going to take just a few moments. I'll do it as quickly as I can. When Jesus said, you'll be with me today in paradise. That means that's where the Lord was going on that day. When he breathed his last and he said, it is finished. And the scripture says he gave up the ghost. No man took his life. He gave it. He laid it down of his own accord. I have power to lay it down, he told Pilate. And I have power to take it up again. This commandment I have received of my father. But he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So this is when, when Jesus said to the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say you'll be with me in a grave. You'll continue to hang up here on a cross with me. He's speaking of resurrection. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. And so he was. It speaks of resurrection. Now think about it for just a moment this morning. All of the animal sacrifices which God he required in the under the Levitical system, he required animals to be sacrificed. Not just given alive, but those animals to be sacrificed. They were blood sacrifices. They were offered up on the brazen altar, on the altar of sacrifice where they were killed, the blood was shed, and they were burned. Okay? God required this under the Levitical system, and it was very merciful of God that He did provide that for men because He also accepted what He required through the animal sacrifices 
to make atonement for man's sin. Atonement simply means a covering. Those animal sacrifices did not purchase eternal salvation and cleansing from sin inwardly, but God accepted it uh, as men offered it. He accepted it as a covering for their sins where they didn't just die and drop dead every time they sinned. They continued to live and could seek God and worship God and follow after God and, and come to know Him and walk with Him. But I'm going to read this from Hebrews just quickly. 10 verse 11. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. That's those animal sacrifices. Daily. There were daily sacrifices. It's, 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 you couldn't calculate the number of sacrifices of animals that were and the blood that was shed repeatedly. Oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Okay? Men weren't cleansed by these animal sacrifices. But Jesus Christ is, was and is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. That's so important, y'all. It's so important. He takes away the sins of the world. So listen to this scripture, Hebrews 10, 14 and 17. For by one offering, he, that's Christ, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. This is totally different. Uh, Christ took away the sins of the world. Amen. And here is what God would have us to look at this morning. Death in itself. Now please stay with me on this thought. Death in itself was not enough to bring men eternal life. It, and, and please don't think I'm minimizing the death of our Lord on the cross. I'm simply saying death in and of itself was not enough to bring lost men into a eternal right relationship, communion, fellowship with Almighty God. There had to be resurrection is my point. There had to be resurrection. Christ had to die for the sins of the world. We know that to pay the just full payment for sins of man which a holy God required. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or no forgiveness of sin. And all those animal sacrifices that we've talked about in the centuries past, they typified and they pictured and they foreshadowed Christ's final payment for the sins of the world. But without question, Christ had to rise again from the dead. He had to. He had to rise again from the dead. He had to be found alive after his crucifixion. He had to be found alive according to the scriptures, according to the prophecies. And he was, and he did rise from the dead. The Bible says, from that time forth, this is earlier in Jesus' ministry with his disciples, began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. That's the death part. And raised again the third day. So understand what I'm saying. That death was not enough. He had to rise again. He said he would. As Jonah was four days and nights in the heart of the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be. I mean three days and nights in the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. Not four. Because he came up on the grave the third day. He rose again. And so only think about it, y'all. Only a living Savior can save men. 
Only a living Savior can give life to others. Don't forget, Jesus came to give that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So only a living Savior can, can come into his kingdom. Like the thief on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Only a living Savior can come into his kingdom and bring other men there and reign and rule in that kingdom. The Bible says, for he is, not, uh, he is the God of Abraham. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. He's a risen Savior, and He reigns over. He's able to give life to men and all that put their trust in Him. The death of our Lord on Calvary provided a fountain by His precious blood for forgiveness, a cleansing, a justification, a cleansing from sin, a pardon from sin, a forgiveness of sin to all those that come to Him, cleansing in His precious blood, amen, and washing us clean by His blood. But, but He had to rise again from the dead, amen? He has reconciled us by the body of His flesh and present, able to present us unreprovable in His sight. He did this by His death, but there had to be a resurrection of Christ from the dead to bring men into an eternal, living, right relationship with God. He didn't just die and stay there and say, now I've done it for you. He rose again, amen? He actually lives in us. He had to rise from the dead for, in order for men to walk with him, in order for men to hear the voice of their good shepherd, in order for men to fellowship with him, in order for men to be part of his family, in order for men to be part of his body. Think about what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 1. John sees him, he falls at his feet as dead at this revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys, that means the authority of hell and death. So think about it, I am he that liveth. I was dead, but I am he that liveth. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Christ did die on the cross as the one final sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the world. The spotless Lamb of God, the sinless Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. But can I tell you here this morning that He did so much more than that? Our Lord and Savior did so much more than die for our sins. He rose again. He rose again in power. And the Bible says, because He lives, we shall live also. Because of that, because of the fact that Christ lives, he says, you shall live also. I think about this sometimes and I was, as I was studying this, that our founding forefathers, for example, in our nation, they sacrificed. They, many fought and died, maybe at a young age, and didn't have the life on earth with their families and so forth that, that we've been able to enjoy. We, are, we have benefited from their sacrifice. They died and shed their blood, but they're not still alive to help us today through life. We can be thankful for their sacrifice, but Jesus is. He died and rose again. He is a very present help in trouble. His name is Emmanuel, God with us, and he actually lives in our hearts. I want to read this scripture from Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. This is what, this is what uh, part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Acts chapter 22, 29 through 36. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you 
of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. He's dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Wherefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. It wasn't enough that Jesus died. He had to rise again from the dead. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. We have a couple more passages of Scripture we're going to read. I want to read from Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God commanded His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what He died for us. This is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the gospel. Amen? Christ died for us. I'm not at all minimizing that. If He hadn't died, we wouldn't be forgiven. He shed His blood that we might be cleansed and justified. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, that speaks of His death, the shedding of His spotless blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, which we were, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by what? His life. It speaks of resurrection. Jesus had to rise from the dead. Amen. He had to rise from the dead in order to be Christ, in order to be the Lord, in order to be the living Savior, in order to be the eternal God, in order to be Alpha and Omega. He had to rise from the dead. The risen Lord lives Y'all, thank God He does. He lives in those that He has redeemed. The Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? And so, in Romans chapter 6, 4, and 5, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of what? Life. He had to rise. It's not enough that he died. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now it's starting to hit home. We see it clearly in the scriptures. Not only do we celebrate his resurrection, but again, because he lives, he said, because I live, you shall live also. It's the same fashion. It's the same resurrection life. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. It is the same Christ that rose from the dead that lives in us. Christ on the cross, uh, he paid the penalty for the sins of the world. But God would have us to know as well that what he accomplished in his resurrection this morning. Amen. That we would understand and appreciate the fact of the resurrection. And think about it, y'all. The resurrection of Jesus separates Christ 
and the religion of Christianity from every other religion. Because other religions might have a quote savior that died, that died with a sacrificial death and forfeited his life for the good of others and so forth. But there's not one that has an empty tomb. There's not one that has a, a savior that came forth in resurrection power. Amen. We are reconciled to God through the blood of his cross by his death. But we need to understand Christ. There is a need. There is a need in Christianity. There is a need in the historical Christ and, and, the, and the, what took place on Calvary when the temple veil was rent from top to bottom. He had to rise from the dead the third day. Amen. There, there has to be uh, an empty grave. We don't go and celebrate at a tomb. We don't go celebrate our, our Savior at a coffin. I remember years ago I went on a mission trip down deep for eight or nine hours across the border into Mexico and we were walking around every every little village and town has like a little village square and in this in one end of the square there's the Catholic Church Catholicism is very big in, in Mexico there are wonderful believers as well but we walked into the Catholic Church and I was surprised to see because I'd never seen it here but up at the front of the church there was a coffin and in the coffin was a figure or a statue of Jesus laying in the coffin. That is not what we're taught. That is not the reality of Christianity. He's not hanging on a crucifix. He's not laying in a coffin. He had to rise the third day. He had to come out alive from the tomb. He, it was necessary for the disciples to find the tomb empty and the women that went very early on Sunday morning to find the grave empty. It was necessary, praise God, that it happened that way, that the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen like he told you. He's gone before you into Jerusalem. Go tell his disciples that he's alive. He had to be found alive. Alive. He had to rise because y'all in his resurrection, he displayed a victory over death. He displayed a victory over the grave. He displayed a victory over hell. He displayed a victory over corruption. He displayed a victory over sin. He displayed a victory over Satan. And he made a show of it all openly. And he triumphed over it all in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Amen. The Bible says it was not possible that the Lord should be held by death. It was impossible. In order for him to be Christ and fulfill the whole purpose of his first coming to be the Savior of the world and to give to men eternal life, he has to be alive today. He had to be alive on the third day, like he said he would be. He had to show himself alive. I love the way Luke writes in Acts chapter 1. He had to show himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Amen. And he did that. Thank you, Jesus, that he did it. Amen. I think it's interesting as well that James, the brother of Jesus, you could say the half-brother of Jesus, one of his earthly siblings that was born after Jesus, and, and Jude as well, they knew, certainly they knew Jesus and grew up with Jesus in their lifetimes, but they were not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't believers like you and I are believers until after the resurrection. James became a pillar in the church. James was martyred for the Lord. 
Um, he became a believer after the resurrection. He became a believer after the Lord appeared to him after the resurrection the third day. And so I just think that's amazing that the saving gospel of God, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of salvation is not complete without the resurrection of Jesus. It's not enough that he died on the cross. Thank God he died on the cross, but he died on the cross, shed his sinless blood for the payment for the sins of the world and rose again in victory from the dead. The gospel is not complete without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? It means good news, but what is the gospel? What is the gospel message? You have time to study it. Luke, you can look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, For I preached unto you the gospel which you received, and by which you're saved, and, and by in which you stand. He goes, First of all, I received it. And here's the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures part number one and that he was buried and rose again from the dead the third day according to the scriptures the gospel is not complete without the resurrection of christ and that he appeared to many people alive after his resurrection who are witnesses uh, of his resurrection and so of all the countless, think about it, we've mentioned these Old Testament animal sacrifices. Of all the countless sacrifices of bulls and goats and lambs which were offered up, do you know that no victim, I'm calling those animals victims there, no victim that was ever offered was ever raised again? Not one of them. There's no resurrection recorded of any Old Testament sacrifice. But Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, this one repentant sinner, I'm a repentant sinner who's given my life to Christ. If you know Jesus, you're a repentant sinner who's given your life to Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you can be a repentant sinner who gives his life to Jesus and is forgiven and saved. Jesus said today, you will be with me in paradise, alive. You'll be with me alive in paradise. Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. He sat down. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in a position of authority. He's alive. Amen. Our Lord has bridged the gap. There was an impassable gulf. There was an impassable gap that could never be closed by man between sinful man and his creator. Sinful man and this holy God that created us in his image. We've fallen, we're marred by sin, we're polluted by sin, we're corrupted by sin. We have the condemnation of sin upon our lives, the judgment of sin upon our lives. And only one can bridge that gap. And that's Christ Jesus, the Lord. He has made us nigh by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, but now in Christ Jesus, not a dead savior, but a living savior. Now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. We've been brought into a new life, his life, not just any life. He's not just like a founding forefather. And I thank God for him that died and sacrificed to give me freedom or a better life or freedom of religion to worship the Lord freely. But can't help me today. Christ died and rose again and lives in me. 
and lives in every believer. He is the head of his body. He, he didn't remain on the cross. He didn't remain in the tomb, but he rose again. And the Bible says, ought not Christ? Jesus said this after his resurrection. In fact, on the resurrection morning, on that day, as he walked with two of his disciples and they didn't know it was the Lord. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, he said, and then to enter into his glory? That's where he is now. He's not on a cross. He's not laying in a coffin in the front of a church. That doesn't rightly represent our Lord and Savior. He's not still hanging on a cross like a crucifix. He's risen. Ought not Christ have to suffer these things? Yes, he should. Because he's of his love, his great love, God the Father offered his son. He was obedient unto death. Even the death on the cross that was prophesied. He should, in that sense, die. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and the ridicule and the mocking and the scourging and so forth? Yes. And to enter into his glory. Hallelujah. Yes. He's entered into his glory because he lives. We're going to live also. I want to close with a couple of scriptures in Luke chapter 15. I'll just read it. This is the whole story of the prodigal, the prodigal son. And we know the story. I don't have time to recap it, but he, he strayed. He was out of his father's house. He was he needed to repent and to come home. He came to uh, he was at the end and he was in poverty and hunger and starvation and far from home and in, eaten up in sin and no man would give to him. And the Bible says while he was in the pig pen feeding pigs and, and the stranger's house and they wouldn't even give him anything to eat. He would have filled himself with the pig's food. He came to himself. That's repentance. It's like the thief on the cross, right? He came and understood. Hey, wait a minute. We need to quit railing this Savior. We need to quit railing this Christ, the thieves on the cross said. We're dying because we deserve it. This man's done nothing wrong. Oh Lord, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's repentance, y'all. And the prodigal son repented. And when he came home, and his father represents in this story of the prodigal son, his father represents our heavenly father. And he says... For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. There was a celebration. But think about it. It's not only that the father says my son was lost and is found. Or like we sing Amazing Grace. I was blind, now I see. He says my son was dead. And now he's alive. That is the difference. We serve a risen Savior. Because he lives, we live also. He didn't just die. He rose again. The last two scriptures I'll close with. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore, because He is risen, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth. He ever liveth to make intercession for them. I guess this sermon today, the thought I was had is not at all to minimize the death of the Lord. But on Easter Sunday and all the time, we, we should celebrate the re resurrection of Christ. He ever liveth. He had to die, but he also had to rise again from the dead on the third day. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. You know, when the, the, the apostles in the early church, not just the apostles, but all the early church, it says when they were scattered under the early persecution of the church, they went everywhere and preached Christ and the resurrection. I sometimes forget that. I sometimes forget that when I'm sharing the gospel with others. I sometimes uh, don't mention it enough in my ministry or my preaching or teaching a Sunday school class. 
They went everywhere and they preached Christ and the resurrection. Paul on Mars Hill, the people listened to him gladly. All of wise, wisely, uh, worldly wise scholars um, listened gladly to Paul talk. But when he got to Christ and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that part of the gospel message, they began to ridicule and mock. We have to preach Christ and the resurrection. But they didn't all ridicule and mock. Some got saved in Paul's day. A thief on the cross got saved in Paul's day. He ever lives to make intercession because he rose from the dead. Amen. I'll close with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 and 21. Then we'll pray. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. He couldn't possibly do this for anyone if he himself didn't rise from the dead the third day. Amen. He's the first fruits. He rose from the dead in a triumphant manner. He rose from the dead in an incorruptible, uncorruptible body. One day, we'll have a body like unto His glorious body. The final enemy of man to be destroyed is death. And one day, even this corruptible body is going to be quickened like unto His glorious body. Amen. Can we just thank God this morning. Father, we praise You and thank You that You have given us a risen Savior. We thank you that we don't go visit and memorialize Christ in a grave, in a tomb, on a crucifix, in a coffin. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a risen Savior. We know he's alive. He's alive in our hearts. I'm he that liveth, Jesus said, and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. We thank you, God, not only for your resurrection from the dead, but what it means to us, God, because you live, we shall live also. You're the first fruits of that resurrection life. And we're partakers of that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has quickened us. We were dead in our sins and trespasses and you quickened us and made us alive together in Christ. We praise you and thank you. Oh God, we thank you that we serve a living God, a risen Savior. We worship you and we praise you this morning in this house and for all times. In Jesus' name, amen.